Hello, and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Sands, and today we have the honor to be joined by Marcus Baskerville, one of the co-founders and the brewer of Weathered Souls Brewing Company. Um, if you're, I'm guessing if you're in Texas, you're actually probably fairly well known already in that area. Um, but now, uh, known worldwide, um, as the, the brewery that initiated the black is beautiful project. Um, so thanks for joining me, Marcus. Oh, thank you for having me. I, I, w- I was actually, I was really glad you were willing to take time to talk to me because I have a feeling you're probably getting a lot of, uh, requests for interviews lately. Um, yes, uh, definitely. So you're actually the fourth one I've had so far today. Oh, geez. And then, yeah, I have another one when I get off this call with you at three fifteen, I think, or something like that. So yeah, it's been, I mean, it like slowed down for a moment, but the, now that people are starting to release the beer and stuff like that, it's, uh, definitely picking up again. Well, I bet I'm, I'm extra, uh, thankful that you took some time with me. Um, yeah, no do you want to, so where do you want to start? Do you want to start talking about, uh, weathered souls? I mean, our, our typical format is that like, I'll get a background of you. We'll talk about the brewery, the start of the mm-hmm. brewery, or do you want to kick off talking about black is beautiful? Well, we can, I guess, talk about the brewery first and then get into black is beautiful. So, uh, weathered souls brewing company. We're in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, we operate a 20 barrel, three vessel system. Um, Let's see here. I have a little over 300 barrels worth of tank space, Uh, maybe a little over that. Um, But we're more known for stouts, barrel-aged stouts, um, some of the fun sours that we've done in the past. Um, But our style range ranges anywhere from a light American lager, Mexican lager, all the way to, you know, your big body stouts, barley wine, stuff like that. Um, we've been operating for a little over three years now. Uh, November will be our four year anniversary. Um, so, so far things have been good, uh, pre COVID anyway. Uh, we did distribution prior to that. Um, we were in quite a bit of locations, uh, with our West coast IPA, uh, which was the most popular IPA in San Antonio. Uh, at the time it was outselling all IPAs three to one. Um, so that was a wonderful thing. Um, but you know, uh, outside of that COVID has kind of affected us. Like it has everybody else. And, um, especially with, uh, tap rooms being closed and stuff like that. It's made things a little bit difficult. You know, um, what is the, um, situation in Texas right now? How so Texas is, uh, if you serve more than 51% alcohol, you can only do curbside. Okay. Uh, they don't allow deliveries or anything like that. But then you have restaurants that are open that, you know, serve way more alcohol than we do. They just serve food, too. Um, and so it's like, okay, well, I'm, I didn't know that food was the the vaccine to COVID at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It highlights a really weird situation where government is really picking winners and choosers. Wait picking and choosing the winners and losers and, exactly. and a lot of times just seemingly arbitrarily like they've just decided that this is where we're going to draw the line whether it really makes sense or not yeah i was a i was actually supposed to be in austin 
right now for a beer conference. Okay. Um, but that was obviously canceled due yeah, to COVID. Yeah, CBC canceled back in April. That was going to be a big event for us. Uh, I had a lot of stuff planned for it. Um, I've been brewing some beers for about a year and a half just for CBC. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, so that was a huge disappointment. Um, but, you know, um, in that time, I've had time to focus on other things like this initiative. Uh, so dealing with the Black is Beautiful initiative, it was a call originally to craft breweries within the U.S. But obviously, we can't say that anymore because we've had big beer involved now. We've had... Um, other industry leaders within the liquor business involved now and then it's transcended to multiple countries uh beyond the united states i think we're in 20 21 countries now and then i think the last time i looked we're at about a thousand and ninety breweries in all 50 states um so it was a call to breweries to participate in a, a collaboration of brewing uh american style stout uh super classic recipe uh medium body uh you know, that super roasty character, a little bit of bitterness, that dark chocolate to it. Um, brew a stout, use the label that we provided, and collaborate to support social justice and inclusion. Um, in the process of that, you would go ahead and donate 100% proceeds, proceeds from this beer to uh, local organizations, charities, foundations that support police brutality reform and legal fees. Um, it's definitely grown since then. People are getting creative with their donations as far as who they're donating to. But one thing's for sure is they're donating to foundations and organizations that support equality and inclusion. Um, and then from there, the third aspect is the long-term effects. So, you know, once the beer is gone, once once those donations are made, uh, what are you going to do past that point? What are you going to do to continue to support the initiative, to continue to support equality? Uh, what changes are you going to make within your own house to, uh, you know, better serve those communities and better serve the people that are in them? Um, so I've seen some even some amazing responses uh, dealing with that uh, from mentorship programs, internship programs, different things like that, that people are getting involved uh, to start making a difference. That's awesome because it, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy just to brew a beer and, donate some money but those types of things are what's really going to make a difference and have exactly. the long lasting uh, impact exactly you know the beer is only one aspect of it and so you're only going to get so much from the beer itself right you're going to have that conversation and that conversation transcends to anything else that's more so up to the consumer uh but you know, those long-term goals and long-term effects are what's going to actually benefit the communities, benefit the breweries, and benefit the people that are involved. Um, so to me, that's the most important aspect of the, of the initiative in itself. So let, let's um, rewind a little bit because we'll definitely, we'll, we'll talk about Black is Beautiful in depth, but I want to go back to before Weathered Souls was even a thing. What, what were you doing beforehand? Um, and what got you into brewing? Um, so before Weather Souls, I was actually a fraud manager uh, dealing with check fraud investigations. Um, I did that for about seven years. Um, and so in the course of doing that, though, I was home brewing, um, learning, uh, even got a part-time job as an assistant brewer at one point while I was still working full-time for the bank uh, just to kind of learn kind of learn what not that's to dedication do. Uh, 
Yeah, um, I think I knew once I started making decent beer at a homebrew level that I did want to pursue a professional career in brewing. Um, I just didn't know that it was going to take me this far. Uh, never, I always tell people never in my life would I ever thought that I'd be brewing, brewing beer for a living. Well, um, where uh, was this in Texas or? Uh, so I'm originally from Sacramento, California. So I started home brewing with my brother, um, kind of a competition, you know, that's that, uh, sibling type of thing, competition. And it's a great motivator. uh, Yeah. (laughs) We, we actually started brewing together. And then when I moved out here, it was like, all right, like it's time to get down and, and learn and I'm gonna make better beer. So, um, took it kind of seriously when I moved out here and started home brewing a lot, um, investing in equipment, entering competitions, learning, bringing beers to other breweries and tap rooms and different things like that for people to learn, uh, or try my beer so I can, uh, get feedback and different things like that. So, um, I kind of knew early on what I wanted to do. So was it a deliberate path or did you get to the point where your hobby was out of control and you just needed to, to, to start selling beer? Cause we, we actually have a local brewery in Frederick that like, that's, that's what they say happened is that their hobby, that it, it's two friends and their home brewing hobby just got out of control. And if they were going to be able to keep brewing, they needed to be able to sell it. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of got to that point, but then at a certain stage, I knew it's kind of what I wanted to do. So it used to be funny because I would, at that point, I was brewing about every two weeks, uh, two beers every two weeks. And so um, even my parents, oh, you're just brewing all that beer to get drunk, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, I have a plan. <laughs> like, I'm brewing beer as a, as a process type thing to learn, you know, there's, there's a goal in hand. So then that was funny because we had that conversation, like you guys used to hate me brewing beer in the garage, but now they're, you know, the most proud parents. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so how, how long, um, was it from when you decided you were going to open a brewery until you were able to make weathered souls happen? Um, so I think, I was still an assistant brewer at another local brewery when I decided that at some point I wanted to open a brewery. Um, my business partner, I had met him while working for this brewery and we used to go out and drink and hang out. Um, so at one point I grew unhappy working at this other local place and I ended up leaving. Uh, me and him were out for a drink and uh, I was like, Mike, I looked at him and I said, Mike, when are we going to open a brewery? And he was like, I've been waiting for you to ask me that. Um, <laughs> And so we literally started working on a business plan, I think, two days later. Um, So as far as the process of opening the brewery in itself, it was a little under a year and a half as far as getting everything open and situated. That's pretty fast. Yeah. So things Just a little over a a year. So things must have actually went fairly smoothly for you. Yeah, we had started. I remember we started working on it. eh, It might have been just about a year if that yeah things went pretty smoothly um for us it was more so trying to figure out our location and uh coming up with a name i think those were the two things that took the longest out of everything well that is a perfect segue because that's always a question i ask where the name comes from uh but before we get into that let's take a real quick sponsor break and then when we get back you can tell us where uh the name weathered souls came from sounds good 
Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. Right, so it's um it's a fairly unique name. It's a really cool name. Um, where did that name come from? Yeah, it's... Um... It's more of an ode to uh, my business partner's dad and grandfather, you know, that that kind of he refers to them as weathered souls, Uh, those individuals that have kind of weathered the storm and, you know, been through been through a lot, but still has succeeded in life uh, type of situation. And so that's kind of where that name uh, resonated from. That's cool. I I, my grandfather was a huge uh, idol of mine, so I love the idea that it was to pay homage to a grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the, your gateway beer that got you into craft beer? So, um, like most people from California, it's probably Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Yeah, I would say that's probably that seems to be like. 80% of not even just California, yeah. it's just everyone. And then, <laughs> and then outside of that, it would probably have been Jeremiah Red from BJ's. Um, I, think I, then, I think I've actually had that. There's a there BJ, another, a local BJ's here that yeah, opened a few years ago. There was another red ale that um, we used to go to this local pizza spot in Sacramento called Pete's Pizza. And they had uh, their own house beers. Uh, so this was back in like 2008, 2009, maybe 2000, yeah, maybe 2007, 2008. And, um, they had their own house beers and, uh, I used to really enjoy one of the red ales and it actually ended up turning out that, uh, Firestone was the one that contracted their beers. I um I was looking at uh, earlier the your recent releases and I really love the brown bag lunches. What well, one? It sounds delicious, <laughs> and then two, I just love the the name and the label art. That's really cool. Yeah, we try to with some of our releases and stuff resonate with things that happened in your childhood or you know fun little pop culture stuff or you know fun. Uh, labels and VH, old VHS movies and stuff like that. Uh, you got to kind of stay creative at this point, especially with as many breweries as there are, you know, it's, it's getting kind of hard to come up with individual names that somebody hasn't used already. 
did you um did you start off with a canning line right off the bat or was that no, did you oh, add that eventually oh, we, no nope, we just still don't have a canning line we do okay contract yeah okay. we do mobile canning still hopefully that'll be something within the the near future if not too far future uh, we'll, we'll be able to get one that that's something um in maryland at least that has um happened a lot there are a whole bunch of breweries that use this time to order canning lines because i mean basically everything shifted to having to sell in yeah, cans everything so. has to be packaged at this point yeah uh, so yeah we're kind of within the same boat uh luckily with american canning they've been really good about fitting our schedule as far as getting in and getting the stuff we need canned um so we haven't had that necessity of getting our own canning line yet um but hopefully it will happen soon but that it's um at least barelage wise you're a fairly you're on the larger end of the small craft breweries yeah um we do okay yeah uh, <laughs> as far as uh the amount of barrels that we release um in part to uh we do a lot of distribution within san antonio in itself um so pre-covid uh we actually had just hired a production brewer uh, to kind of alleviate some of my stresses. Um, but, you know, since COVID has happened, um, production and what we're doing has kind of shifted uh, to uh, more small batch beers, uh, fun beers, stuff like that, that we kind of are, no, are going to sell and customers are going to come out for. Okay. Yeah, the, it seems like, I mean, actually, like pretty much everyone's doing that. Um, but is what is the trend in texas are sales still high or is it been a slump and it's hard to get by there so the recent uh polls in texas are two out of three breweries will probably close by february of oh, wow. next year if some things don't change around here so yeah it's it's getting pretty bad out here oh that's not yeah it's a little less um doom and gloom around here but i think so many people that working for the federal government in this area kind of props our economy up so maybe like economically we're not hit quite as badly let's see i mean i think that's the, the only thing i can really think of and our governor has done a lot of things to make it a little easier for breweries to operate like enabling um home delivery and shipping within the state and um, helping out the breweries somewhat. Okay. Yeah. Our governor in our state isn't, uh, as gracious with that. Not, so. not quite we'll as kinda, pro brewery. Nah. So we'll kind of see what happens from here. Are there, um, are there a lot of craft breweries in, um, San Antonio? Uh, no. So you okay. think what San Antonio is the seventh largest city in the U S and I think collectively, and that's including, you know, the breweries that are actually physically outside of San Antonio. I think it's like 17 or 18 at this point. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. not, uh, so is it, um, is San Antonio just an area where craft beer hasn't really caught on yet or has legislation made it not as friendly for a brewery to open? Full combination of both. Um, you know, the laws in Texas are very archaic when it comes to beer and breweries. Um, but then also San Antonio's Dos Equis town, like literally, uh, okay. <laughs> is the highest city for Dos Equis in the United States. 
Um, so, you know, it's a matter of con- conforming these customers to, to start drinking craft and getting more excited about drinking local. Uh, that's the big thing. You know, most people that can go to the gas station, go to the store, grab them a 24 pack of their Bud Light or Modelo or whatever they're going to grab um, and go about their business. Uh, so it's more so trying to teach the public, hey, you have a local beer scene here uh, with much better beer than what you're going to buy at the grocery store. So start supporting that, buying beer from them and, you know, try to build a relationship that way. Uh, but it's definitely been a upward uh, hill battle so far. So is there a lot of struggle even just from the educational standpoint of teaching people what craft beer is and why it's yeah, worth I mean, spending more than i mean i don't know what a six pack of dos Equis is but i'm gonna guess it's on the cheaper end of the spectrum yeah i mean you figure san antonio has a very large population and i would say there might be like dedicated craft drinkers probably like three to four hundred people oh wow <laughs> yeah like it's not I mean, and this is just based off, you know, people that you see out and about in the community and stuff like that. Like, you know, I would say dedicated, like real dedicated, like drinkers. It's probably I'm just the, you know, even inflated some. It's definitely under a thousand drinkers. So, I mean, considering how big the city is, um, I mean, and then just like uh, last year, for instance, when we had 14 breweries, I mean, the local news article released the uh, newscast on how the brewing scene here is becoming oversaturated. And it's like, <laughs> wait a second, like there's only 14 breweries here. Like we're nowhere near saturation at all. So, so I, I think for reference in Frederick, which is, I, I mean, I probably minuscule. I it compared to San Antonio, like we're in the, I don't know, like tens of thousands for a population. Uh-huh. We have, oh, I'm going to get this number wrong. It's either 11 or 12 breweries in our, and I'll, since you're from San Antonio, I'll use air quotes for our downtown area. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, um, and we're still not considering Frederick as being saturated with breweries. So, I mean, that, that's, that's really good, though. You have a lot of upside as um, the trend grows there. I... Yeah, San Antonio definitely has a lot of opportunity. Um, it's just a matter of getting there. Right, so let's, um, let's take one more quick sponsor break, and then let's dive into a little bit more of um, talking about Black is Beautiful, um, what prompted you to uh, launch the campaign or project um, and we'll get your opinion on trying McClintock's version of it for the first time um, yeah. non uh, cocktail version <laughs> so uh, we'll be right back the uncapped podcast is brought to you by district east a lot of Friday and Saturday afternoons, you'll find me at District East for their weekly beer tastings. District East is part of the local beer community, and they get limited releases and exclusive beers that are hard to find anyplace else. This is why I chose District East for the release of my collaboration beers. One of my favorite things to do at District East is building a custom six-pack. With over 900 beers on their shelves and new beers every week, District East is a great place to find beers I love and to discover new and hard-to-find ones. 
They also have eight beers on tap for crowler and growler fills, and they have kegs to go. District East is located on Northeast Street in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. You can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. I'm excited to announce our newest sponsor, Vanish Farmwoods Brewery. Vanish is a brewery and entertainment complex located on a 62-acre hops and apple farm in Luckett's, Virginia, just 20 minutes from Frederick, Maryland and Leesburg, Virginia. With over 20 beers on tap, a selection of wines and ciders, along with multiple food options, there is something for everyone. Vanish has live music on Saturdays and Sundays and a wide variety of special events. Go to VanishBeer.com for information on everything they have to offer. All right, so what um, what was the moment where you decided that you were going to kick this um, uh, Black is Beautiful project off? Yeah, so it was, what, May 28th that I went to um, Dallas to go hang out with the homies at Turning Point. Uh, we had did a collaboration. And on the way to Dallas, on my drive, I was listening to The Breakfast Club. And uh, they had Brianna Taylor's mom on there, and she was discussing with Angela Yee the uh, course of events to finding out that her daughter was murdered. And that conversation was probably one of the most heart-wrenching, heart-breaking conversations that I've heard in a very long time. Um, especially as somebody that has two daughters, um, you look at that type of stuff and then somebody who's been through, you know, forms of police brutality, um, you know, racial discrimination, uh, different things like that. Uh, you look at those and it hits you. Um, then the other thing, was me driving home that night and listening uh, to the people talk about the protests and why they were protesting and those that were involved in the protest. And then that guilt hit a little bit, like, man, I'm not out there protesting. Um, but for me, that's not, to me, that's not what I'm going to do to to show my support or give back. Um, so from there, I had to figure out a way as a black business owner, as somebody who wants to give back to his community, how I could support. Um, so originally, I was going to go ahead and just do a standalone release. Um, in the course of that weekend, I was having a conversation with Jeffrey Stuffings out of Jester King, and we were having conversations about race relationships, Trump, um, you know, just the general things that were going on with COVID at our breweries. And I had sent him the mock-up label of what my original idea was. And he was like, you know what? He was like, man, this is awesome. And he was like, I, I, I would understand if you don't want to, but you should think about turning this into a collaboration. And I was like, you know what, Jeff, that's a fantastic idea. And so basically spent the next 24 hours uh, formulating the initiative, the mission statement, uh, coming up with the recipe, um, enlisted uh, my, um, one of my bartenders to write the original WordPress recipe, I mean, uh, website, and then Craft Peak ended up and um, Stout Collective ended up joining up to help fix that a little bit. And, um, you know, it was literally a course of 24 hours of thinking about the initiative and then launching it. So was it, um, did you reach out to a bunch of breweries to invite them to no. join in uh, or was it it just did it just go viral quickly and 
yeah, places just uh, started signing up to be a part of it. I reached out, I think, to less than 10 people. I reached out to um, the homie at Finback, uh, CM at The Answer, uh, reached out to Kyle at Inu, Brian at Claimstake, um, Justin from um, Ingenious, and then Alex from Turning Point. So seven breweries. And then everybody else was through sharing, people tagging their favorite breweries, um, you know, having that organic, um, kind of that organic reach of just social media. Um, you know, I have a very close, tight-knit uh, section of friends within the brewing industry, and I thought it would have meant something to not contact uh, people directly um, and kind of see where their hearts were and as far as their participation. So the brewing industry definitely showed out. The Yeah, the, the response has been tremendous. It seems like every day there's another brewery promoting when their release is going to be coming out and... Um, so it, it must be very heartwarming to see the response of your community um, kind of actually uh, doing what is preached a lot, that it is an inclusive community and they want to do better and um, be more uh, inclusive. Exactly. So at this point, how many – you said it was a 1,000 – I think we're sitting at around a thousand and ninety breweries. It's a it's a good percentage of the breweries out there. Yeah, um, I mean, especially when over. when you consider the times we're in, there's probably a lot of breweries that may just not even like they may want to be involved, but might not be able to financially be able yeah. to. Well, you know, to say to that, um, get in where you can fit in. Yeah. Uh, this isn't a beer that has to be brewed tomorrow. It's not a beer that has to be brewed a month from now. If you feel strongly about what this initiative is about, get signed up and brew the beer when you can. I mean, and even then, if you don't have the capacity to brew a 10-barrel, 15, 20-barrel batch, go ahead and brew a 5-barrel batch, a 1-barrel batch. Have it as a specialty release within the, the taproom or brewery, you know, crowlers or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, dealing with issues like this, I don't really tend to accept, I guess, excuses. Um, you know. and, and, and rightly so. <laughs> yeah. So if you feel strongly about this initiative, if you feel strongly about what it's about, you feel strongly about social justice, inclusion, equality, uh, building that message, building more of a foundations within your communities and the people around you and bridging that gap, then you're going to go ahead and get involved. Um, you know, Get in where you can fit in. And then even then, uh, once you get signed up, you get access to all of the vendors and sponsors that have assisted. Um, there's multiple uh, vendors and sponsors that are offering free ingredients, discounted ingredients. Um, you know, there's people that are helping with packaging, labeling, um, design work. So, I mean, you know, money is always a concern, especially during COVID, but there's definitely uh, avenues to alleviate some of that for sure. Yeah. I guess I was more talking about like some of the breweries on the extreme end who have had to like cut production almost yeah. completely because they just like can't even afford to c 
continue brewing. Those, yes, uh, yeah. it's a little bit different, obviously. Yeah, not not just people are like, oh, it's kind of tight oh, yeah, financially. Yeah, yeah. I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, there was a a, a brewery that uh, was in the city that I grew up with that is local, and it's a very uh, demographic city. And, you know, they had some long-winded excuse about why they didn't participate. And it was just like, you know, the old um, the old um, Peanuts teacher. That wah, 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 wah. <laughs> That's all I heard reading that text message or reading that uh, response. So, you know, it's if you if this is something that you feel very strongly about, then go ahead and, and get signed up. And right, nobody's rushing the production this is something that is brewed two years from now. I mean, you're still helping the cause. The money is still being donated to a local charity and you're still making a willingness to make some change regardless of when it happens. Uh, inequality and injustice isn't going away anytime soon. So, And what, um, what you mentioned earlier too, the, the overarching and even more important aspect of it, the, uh, programs put in place you mentioned internships and um, education aspect of it mm-hmm. so have you had a chance to try many um, versions that have been brewed I've tried a few, yeah um, we've been receiving some packages uh, from a lot of people lately um, so I've tried to at least try one every few days or so not to indulge too much <laughs> uh, but the plan is to have like a huge share um, and try a whole bunch of them at the same time. Oh, cool. Um, but I've tried a few of them that have come in um, and have really enjoyed uh, some of the ones that I've had so far. Are most places um, brewing just to the recipe or are most breweries uh, most putting their the own spin? Have, yeah, once most of the ones I've had so far have been they're kind of their own spins. And that's what we wanted, you know, with all the breweries that are involved. You don't want people to come up with 1100 yeah. of the same out so to see those different variations to see people's different spins the different blends and stuff it's been fun it also helps with that um collecting mentality too where people are going to want to get as many as they can get access to because they want to compare them to each other exactly. and collect as many as possible yep is it a, um an in-house artist that did the the artwork for the uh, so yeah uh kevin katie designs out in austin texas uh he's done our labels for us for a little over the last three years um so basically i presented to him kind of the idea structure of what i wanted with the different hues of black and then outside of that i told him i was like i'm gonna see how woke you are kevin and just let you go from there. <laughs> So he did a he did a fantastic job getting the label situated. I mean, even the, the different variations that he's done with us, with Tommy Smith and and uh, Martin Luther King and John Lewis and uh, you know all of the the other variations that we've had. It's it's been great. So kudos to Kevin for the job well done. Um, I feel like it's probably obvious and self explanatory, uh, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, where like what uh was the inspiration for the name and where did the name come from so the name was the first aspect that i came up with for the initiative um i was trying to think of something that would resonate with people um you know dealing with the amount of inequality that's been going on i mean the amount of just the 
lack of respect that we've seen. And um, like I've said, I've been through the racial profiling and different things like that. Being told going into a store, I have to take my hood off or, you know, um, being pulled over by the police for having a nice car when I was younger and living in a predominantly white neighborhood. So I've been through all of that. Um, So thinking of something that would resonate with people, thinking of something that would um, support and be just blatant as far as what the message is, but, you know, still holding some regard and respect to it. Yeah. Um, So that's where the Black is Beautiful name came from. And then once that name uh, came about, I guess it was just almost a no-brainer to go with the stout recipe. And I, I know um, Idiom said they, they followed the recipe fairly close and just put a little bit of their own spin on it. It's really good. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge stout person. I'm more of a, you know, your typical craft beer junkie of IPAs and fruited sours. Although I, I do, I love actually super bitter and West Coast style IPAs. Um, but this is a really enjoyable stout. And I know theirs is close to your recipe. Um, but the other thing I wanted to, we should talk about is I want, I want to get your feedback on the whiskey. Cause from what I understand, you are actually somewhat of a, a whiskey aficionado. I wouldn't say aficionado or a fan. We'll say fan. Yeah. yeah enthusiast. I enjoy, yeah. I enjoy <laughs> a good pour of, of bourbon or some whiskey. Um, that's kind of been more so what I've been getting into more than, uh, beer lately. So is, um, has there have there been any other team ups for Black is Beautiful like this one with um, Idiom and McClintock, or has this been a, a unique spin on the the project? So the only other distillery that I know of that has produced uh, work for a whiskey for this is Andalusia uh, Distillery up in uh, Blanco, Texas. And they're uh, going to be doing a... Uh, they brewed the, the beer, they're distilling it, and then they're going to age it in barrels for two years and release a whiskey. Um, they're in Blanco. Uh, but outside of that, no, I, I want to say this is the definitely the first one that has been released. That's cool. So when, it, when uh, they contacted you... Cause I think they did. They right. They contacted you and uh-huh. told you were going to do this. Did were you uh, full on board excited. with it? Yeah, I was excited. I was like, "What the whiskey <laughs> company wants to turn it into some whiskey?" Let's told my sales manager, "Let them go ahead and do it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm. I'm a little bummed. I I was hoping because uh, Braden said he was going to try to send you some of the hopped whiskey that I made with him uh-huh. last year, but I guess he. He either forgot or maybe didn't have any left to oh, okay. send some of that. But this uh, this is good, too. So, yeah, check it out. So, yeah, I was like I was saying earlier, um, the wife wanted a cocktail yesterday. So I thought I was like, you know what? This might be a good variation uh, for a Manhattan. And I think I'm going to actually blend it into a old-fashioned tonight. I made a uh, coffee bitters with uh, some monster coffee uh, a couple weeks ago, so I think that would actually be a really good accent to that. Maybe with a oh, not yeah, rye, you know, rye whiskey to top it off. Um, I'm super lazy, 
so I just put some ice cubes in a glass. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and so you definitely get heavy cacao nib up front. Yeah. Right off the bat, it's just smooth, like milk chocolate. And then you get a little of that, that whiskey uh, alcohol nose on the back end, a little bit of the stringency. Oh, that's actually pretty good. Especially, I mean, for our, our super young okay, whiskey. Young, I was about, just about to say, yeah. for a super young whiskey that doesn't have much age on it, I don't get much astringency. Um, it still has a decent little body to it. You get a, a nice balance of the nibs. This is good. Yeah, McClintock does a lot of um, collaboration with local breweries where they'll – uh, distill um, sometimes like a beer that didn't turn out well they distill it and turn it into something but then they've done several collaborative projects where the, a brewery just brews something um, it, it turned out fine they buy it from them and they distill it into because uh, they have a couple right now with a local one that have been aging for like two years that they made oh okay yeah this is this is tasty, and it's probably going to be really good in this old-fashioned that I'm going to make later today. So when you um, started Black is Beautiful, did you anticipate it was going to become this large of a, of an effort with as many places um, signing on and all the creativity that's been put behind it? Give me that question one more time. What, did you did you um, anticipate it becoming as big as it did, or have you been no. blown away? And uh, no, this is definitely a very prideful, uh, humbling experience for sure. I would have never thought that we would have seen over a thousand breweries uh, show up for this initiative. Um, so now that I've seen that many, I definitely want to see a lot more. Um, but <laughs> originally, I thought it was going to be like maybe 200, 250. Um, which was still been a lot, but to see it, you know, gain this much uh, respect with brewers and them show their involvement. I mean, this is like the most humbling experience I've ever had. And and, and it hasn't been just small ones. Um, you alluded there were macro breweries that have jumped on board, but then there's also <laughs> like some of your largest, most popular uh, breweries have yeah, also participated. Soon. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Russian River. They released one. They just actually posted that they ended up donating, I think, 17000 from the sales. Oh, wow. Uh, Firestone's one of my favorite breweries involved. Um, and then you have some of the like top stout producers, like Perennial. That's my favorite barrel-aged stout producer. So to see them involved you know as from the whole consumer aspect that got me all excited um then breweries like side project the answer you know uh alesmith all of these breweries that have garnered respects for the stouts that they produce and to see their involvement and them wanting to help out it's definitely an amazing thing um the answer one that uh was pretty interesting is that gold flake it's in it or glitter or what what did they put in that one uh so it's gold glitter okay um i know that originally they did add some gold flakes but it was very costly and it didn't take like the way they wanted to so they ended up adding some additional glitter to it 
and that was a that was a cool one too because that was a collaboration between um four no five or so different people different i mean there was a brewery were, the, were there two breweries or just one um but uh, just the one brewery and, and then, then eric you know, jackson all, yeah of, some home brewers um and different little things like that like shannon and eric and cm got involved um you know black ninja did the glass for it so they turned it into a huge collaboration yeah that that one was um i thought i thought that was one of the little cooler ones that i saw especially in, i mean you mm-hmm. post a picture of a, a stout filled with gold glitter it's going to attract some attention <laughs> And I guess the answer being the answer, they couldn't uh, just release something that uh, w- was right. normal. Yeah, they had to, they had to go get creative. So they, that was definitely a fun one. So I, I typically ask this question of normally just like people of um, who aren't in the industry but have are uh, like influences influencers or uh, journalists or play that. What, but I, I assume there's probably been a moment like this for you too. Like, what is the coolest experience or moment that this has brought to you? Um, I think the coolest thing about this so far has been the prideful look that I see on my parents' face, to be honest. Um, I'm very family oriented, uh, that type of thing, and so. Um, to see my parents that excited about what's going on and they know their son is trying to make an effort and change. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, I have older parents. My dad just turned 70 on Monday. Uh, my mom's 66. My grandma's 92. So, you know, my dad was alive during the civil rights movement. My grandma was alive and well during the end of slavery. Like, you know, so, um, I would say, you know, the prideful look on my parents' face has been the most, uh, most rewarding thing out of it. Um, but outside of that, the most fun would have probably been, uh, the New York times photo shoot yesterday. Oh, cool. Yeah, my my the little tiny newspaper I work for doesn't compare to the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> well, that um that should give you a nice bump in uh, exposure. <laughs> right. So I'll be excited when that when that comes out for sure. Uh, but that is probably the best answer I've ever received to that question. That that that's great. That's very heart uh, warming because it probably does mean a lot to your parents definitely so yeah and then i don't i don't know how old your daughters are but i if they aren't old enough right now already at some point they're going to be extremely proud of you for what the initiative you very much still on the younger side yeah three and one yeah not Uh, quite old enough to be proud of daddy for this particular thing but hopefully you know this thing continues on well past the years to come and so you know maybe they'll get involved in it one day in time. So is that, do you have the plan to try to keep um, pumping energy behind this so that it does stay forefront and uh, continues to be in people's minds instead of it just being, I brewed the beer. Now let's just go do something else. Exactly. Uh, This is something that we want to keep prevalent, keep in people's minds and, 
and kind of keep it going. What, um, I, I think you probably already answered it cause you said it was your favorites, uh, barrel aged stouts, but what, what brewery were you most excited about when they signed on? The most excited brewery. I, at the time, I would probably say because of stout-wise and the beer that is being brewed, not just because they are participating, but just because of who they are in the stout producer world, I would probably say perennial. Okay. that's I, I figured you were going to say that from your yeah. earlier comments. Um, what is the best Marvel movie? <laughs> um, I would say the best Iron Man movie is Winter Soldier. That's a good. One. I like that one. I would. They would go Winter Soldier. For yeah, I don't. I actually, I don't. I, I, if I, someone asked me that, I wouldn't even be able to answer. I like, <laughs> I like so many, but I just know there are several Marvel things in frame of your video that you're, you're obviously, oh, yeah. you're I'm obviously a, huge, a fan. Uh, I'm a huge comic book fan, and then the one in the back um, was actually we did a uh, Black Panther beer. Okay. Uh, called Long Live the King for the Black Panther release. Um, back in what was that, 2016? Yeah. Um, so we did it for Alamo uh, Draft House and did a uh, statewide release for Black Panther, and uh, one of their artists ended up doing that. But then in the process of that, we actually had a private showing uh, for the premiere, and that's when I proposed to my wife was during oh. a private showing Black Panther. Oh, awesome. Um. What what has this done for exposure for Weathered Souls? Has um so I mean it's still been kind of slow during COVID. Yeah, and you know we're the catalyst of this, but the initiative's not about us. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, you know, we've had a ton of more exposure, ton of more followers. Obviously, we're getting a lot of media attention and stuff like that. Uh, we've had some retail attention. Um. So. You know, it's it's definitely benefited us as far as um, staying as far as the exposure rate we're having. Um, but I've tried to not engulf you know ourselves too much into the initiative. We want yeah. it to be more so about the message and you know the beer and and getting things out there. But yeah, I mean, exposure wise, I think we've had almost what was it, 15,000 new followers uh, since the start of the initiative. So it's definitely, you know, got our name out there for sure. Have you it's got me a few collabs and stuff like that I probably would have never got. So, you know, I can't can't complain. It's probably gotten to the point that um, if you call someplace, they're just, they're going to talk to you no matter, <laughs> no matter who it is now. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you received any negativity or is it? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. of course. Uh, I, you know, I hate people. <laughs> uh, you know, I've had other brewery friends receive messages like, uh, the homie Brian from claim steak and rancher Cordova posted a, a, um, screenshot yesterday of, you know, the whole, Oh, you come out with a black is beautiful beer. Once the white is beautiful beer coming out, you know, that type of thing. We had some lady call the brewery the other day trying to say she was offended about the beer and, as a white woman, she was offended that we were coming out with this beer and we were racist for it. So, you know, there's there's been those type of phone calls, those type of messages. But at the end of the day, like, 
my staff, for instance, they get really upset when we get these messages and stuff like that. But what I tell them is, you know, at the end of the day, I'm 35 and I've been black my whole life. So it's not anything new that I haven't heard, not anything new that I haven't seen. So we just kind of laugh at it and keep it moving. I guess I, I guess I naively hoped that you were going to say, no, there hasn't been much. That. <laughs> no, we've but I, I know that was a stupid thought. And, other, and then, I mean, look at some of these uh, Facebook posts from other breweries. So Samuel Adams, for instance, which is in a super racist city. I mean, you should have seen some of the uh, responses that they got to their involvement. But, you know, I thought they handled it very well. And, you know, we appreciate everybody's support that is supporting because I know for some of these breweries, it may be hard for them dealing with the specific locations that they're in. Yeah. Um, but, hey, it is what it is. Thankfully, uh, I don't think I've seen any negative responses in Maryland, at least to the breweries yeah. when they've announced stuff or they've quickly deleted things. Yeah. I, but I, I haven't, uh, thankfully I haven't witnessed anything of um, people in Maryland. I don't delete anything. Let the racists show themselves. So we all know. Yeah, they should. They are in the future, right? Yeah. Um, well, I know you, you mentioned you have another interview coming right up. So in a, give you a little bit of break in between having to talk to people <laughs> uh, how sick of you how sick and tired of telling the same story over and over again are you <laughs> um or did i get I you early enough where you aren't sick of it yet? yet now i've been trying to be creative about telling the story differently <laughs> so it doesn't all sound the same um but i'm very much the huge introvert um so it's definitely been a change for me uh speaking and conversing as much as i am i haven't had to do that in a very long time well you're de- you know, i mean i wouldn't have guessed that at all so you're you doing know, like as a brewer you can kind of just put your headphones in on the brew floor shut your doors and don't have to like physically deal with anybody so it's definitely been a change these last couple of months all right well tell me something you haven't told anyone else yet i, w- I want a special story let's see here I know that was kind of an unfair question. Or <laughs> um, I don't think there's anything to share yet. I'll give you some information on the 18th of August. Oh, so something big is right around the corner? Yeah, something I can't share just yet. Okay. Uh, is it collaboration-wise or weather soul? Like, can you give at least what category it falls into? Uh, it's uh, more Marcus Baskerville, but slash okay. weather soul. Yeah, okay. Sure. Well, I want to congratulate you on the set success. Um, uh, it's it's great the at least the positive response side. Um, it's I'm glad that it has been so phenomenally successful for the program and for you personally. Um, and thank you so much for the time you've taken with me. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And cheers. I'm uh, cheers, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed uh, what we did out here in Frederick. Hey, I'm have to try the the bootjack next. And uh, thank you, everyone. Actually, bootjack is really good. You're gonna love that I one. Up the reviews. Yeah, I actually looked up the reviews and I said, oh, this is actually supposed to be a really good bottle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so and uh, thank you uh, and thank you everyone for watching and listening. Cheers. Cheers, sir. Have a good day.
Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to McClintockDistilling.com for more information. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.